When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain Editor Dave Schofield coming at you Thursday morning. Man, we're more than halfway through June. Let's get through this month. Let's get into July, the month where the Steelers report to training camp, and let's get this thing rolling. It's an exciting time to be a Steelers fan. When's it not an exciting time to be a Steelers fan? I mean, come on. This is the greatest franchise in professional sports. Uh, even though on my Scobro show that I did with my brother on Tuesday night, I talked about an article that I did that I had low expectations for the Steelers my whole life until I was in my late 20s because I became a Steelers fan in the Mark Malone era. And I was just used to the Steelers being a team that used to be good, but wasn't. Um, but now it's a whole different story. If you're curious about that, go back and check it out. And check out all our podcasts on the entire network. I mean, you've got uh, the curtain call last night. Jeffrey Benedict was away. He was away. Um, this was his vacation. Brian Anthony Davis filled in with Shannon White. Make sure you check that one out. Also, you got to check out one of my most favorite podcasts that there is. It'll be the next one up after this one. That would be the What Yin's Talking About podcast with Kyle and Greg. I, I love that one. I don't miss it. Um, and of course, you know, you're just here on Thursday morning. Some of you are here because you're one of the nerds of steel. You want to know what's going on. You're here all the time. Some of you, you just put up listening to me until you can get Jeff Hartman back on Let's Ride for Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But I understand how that is. And make sure you're checking out Behind the Steel Curtain.com. It really is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Today, Thursday, at some point here in the morning, we're going to have a film room out about the new Steelers defensive lineman, Larry Ogunjobi. That one's done by KT Smith. Um, he always does a great job on, on his film room. So, of course, you're going to expect something great. And he doesn't disappoint. Make sure you go check that out. That's a good one. But lots of stuff going on. It's exciting for Pittsburgh Steelers fans because the Steelers aren't – the move to sign Larry Okunjobi this week on Tuesday, um, I'm sure that this isn't the first that you've heard about it if you're listening to this podcast. But for me, the reason I find that it's exciting is that it shows that the Steelers – are willing to do what they need to do to be successful. I think this is a great signing. Um, hopefully, you know, everything's fine where he's with injury and, and of that nature. But what I like about this is I think it doesn't force your young guys to have to step in yet. I mean, the, the biggest benefactor from this signing, in my opinion, is DeMarvin Leal. 
if if he's so good that they can't keep him off the field, he's going to be that way. And that's just what they're going to have to do with that rotational position. But being a third-round draft pick, do, do they really want to have to force him into playing more only because they don't have anybody else? That's kind of what happened with Kendrick Green last year. I think that this allows the Marvin Leal to – progress at the natural progression and they don't have to expedite anything. That's why I like it. Um, I don't think this is saying anything bad about anyone that the Steelers have on their roster. Oh, they're not satisfied with that. If they wouldn't have made a move, I would have been all right as well because that would have told me they were satisfied, but I still don't think this is a satis- uh, that they're not satisfied with what they have because this is a position where you use so many players. So I'm excited to get numbers. I don't have contract numbers yet at the time of this recording. I am dying for them. I literally checked 30 seconds before I hit record just to make sure because I, I really want to do that article to see uh, how, how this all panned out for the Steelers. I'll, I'll tell you this, though. This could just be a coincidence or couldn't, could not. There's several places that I look at for salary cap numbers. This is a good stat geeky thing before I dive into our topic. And that one, you know, I use... Overthecap.com, that's my main one. I also use SpotRack, um, or however you say it, SportTrack. I, I always mess up the, where the where the R's fall on that one uh, because they have some good data too, um, and sometimes they'll have it before Overthecap or vice versa. So I'll, I'll use both of them and compile them both, compare numbers. But another place that I check is that every day the NFLPA releases uh, where everyone stands in the salary cap. I had what their number was slightly different than mine before Minka Fitzpatrick. I added in how things changed with Minka Fitzpatrick. The, and the, the number that I expected them to have, because you can't look in the past, it's just what it is right now, is exactly $3.5 million less than what I would expect them to have at this time. I don't know if that's something to do with Larry Ogunjobi. I don't know if that's something to do something else. Even if that was because of Ogunjobi, remember that's that's after displacement. So that means the salary would have been um, $895,000 more, um, which would put it at like 4.395, I think, million. If that's what the Steelers got him for, that would be phenomenal. But I'm not saying that that's what that difference is in those numbers. That could be from something else that I didn't realize that they were doing in there. Um, cause that's not one of the main ones I use, but I just noticed that little difference. I'm like, I wonder what that is, but I'm still waiting to get some good official numbers on the one year deal for that. Let's dive into today's topic. In case you can't tell I'm wired, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. This is a good one. This is interesting because it, it's funny. I get questions. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a question I could kind of look at. I guess so. And then as I dive into numbers and it gets more exciting to me. I'm I'm crazy like that. Why am I the the, the crazy for numbers person? I, I don't know. I'm just wired that way. But this one comes from Doc M on Twitter. That's Southside underscore Doc. That's at Southside underscore Doc. He says, how would you use statistics to differentiate between the tiers of a wide receiver core, i.e. number one versus number four? Would percentage of targets, efficiency, or metrics such as yards be best? What statistics would set apart a true superstar from a replacement level? Now, I'll give you, I can give you the short answer of what I'm going to look at. I'm going to look at the three main statistics. I tried to bring in a fourth, but it didn't change anything, so I kind of dropped it along the way, and I'll explain that. But this is interesting because this brings up <laughs> – this tweet alone brings up two pet peeves of mine. And I, So I'm sorry, Doc M, if I'm going to call you out. One of them was just, I think, a misspelling. 
Um, there's a word that people don't use when, when they talk about it, and they talk about the wide receiver core. That's not C-O-R-E. That's C-O-R-P-S. That's what it should be saying, like the Marine Corps. Um, C-O-R-E means center. Um, so that's just one of my little pet peeves. But don't worry. I, I busted everyone about my pet peeves. Jeff Hartman, I don't know how many times I had to tell Jeff, it's that you couldn't care less. When you say you could care less, that means you actually care about it. But this is my show. Jeff gets three shows a week where he could bust on me. I only get this one in the mornings. So there you go, Jeff. You're welcome. Uh, my, my wife has one that bothers her. She pointed it out to me last night is, oh, if the Steelers are Steelers are in the midst of OTAs, but people type it M-I-S-T. She's like, is it foggy at OTAs? Is that what's going on? It's not the mist. It's the midst. Anyway, that's that's a pet peeve. But I'm, I'm sorry for busting out on that on that doc. That's just one I often like to bring up. But the, the real thing, and this is something that I've had to put aside for myself that says, okay, um, you got to get over this, Dave, and you just got to roll with it because this is the way everyone talks. I just, and I've talked about this in the past in the preview, and I've just conformed, although it still bothers me. I despise the notion of the uh, a number one wide receiver or number one cornerback. Are they are they are, are they CB one or are they WR one? Because honestly, do you want to know what the best? You know what a W one? Sorry, WR one is. It's the best wide receiver on every team. Every team has a WR one because it's their best wide receiver. You're like, wait, that's not what we mean by that. I know that's not what you mean, but that's what you should. And the reason I I get frustrated with this is because it's not analytical. Now, I'm going to try to do this analytically because the question was asked, but it kind of bothers me that people want to say, oh, well, there's there's not a real WR1 on this roster. Okay, well, what? how many WR1s do you think there are in the league? Oh, maybe maybe 10 to 15. Well, that still doesn't make sense because there's 32 teams. Every team has a best wide receiver, the guy that brings out the best stats. That's your WR1. The guy with the next best stats, that's your WR2. The next best is WR3. I don't care if WR1 is is 801 yards and WR2 is 800. Or it could be that WR1 is 1,300 and WR2 is 400. There's still WR1 and WR2. But I, I know because of the of the whole fantasy football and comparing things across the league that people don't look that way, especially I see it a lot with wide receiver. I see it a lot with corner. You don't do that with quarterback. Your QB1, that's your quarterback. That's your starter. That's the guy who's playing all the time. That's QB1. You don't ask if your Q, is your quarterback really a QB1? I mean, some people might ask that, but that's looking at it from a fantasy perspective. But I digress. Let's get let's dive into this. I'm still going to answer this question, although the, it kind of drives me nuts because I, I kind of was able to come to a little bit of peace with it because I could look at it numerically. This is what I did. I looked at 2021, and I'm going to go with the numbers that I say. Did I say how many WR1 should there be in the league? There should be 32. There should be 32. It's the best wide receiver for every team. Now, what's the problem? What happens when one team has two wide receivers better than another team's best wide receiver? Okay, so that's why I'm going to look at 32. I'm going to look at 32. What are the Where's the cutoff for the top 32 wide receivers? And I'm going to look at the three main stats. I'm going to look at yards. I'm going to look at receptions. I'm going to look at touchdowns. Now, could I throw targets in there? That depends on how much they want to throw to them. Could I look at... Completion percentage, yeah, but if you want to keep it as basic 
as you can. And those, if you're looking at it more from a fantasy standpoint, those are the only three main stats that they use, and not everyone even uses receptions. So I'm going to look at that. And based on 2020, here was the cutoff at 32 players. The yardage was at 848 yards. The receptions was 67 receptions. And the touchdowns, I'm going with six. Six or more touchdowns gave you 29 players. Because if you went to five touchdowns, that all the, that went all the way up to 45 players. Nope, too much. So it's six touchdowns. Now there's So that means that was only the top 29 instead of the top 32. Now I went overall. This wasn't the same players because I'm going to get to that. What this was was what was the top who the top thirty two in receptions, top thirty two in yards, top thirty two in touchdowns. That's what I did. But then I went in and I filtered it and said, how many players were in the top thirty two for all three categories? That I think really tells you something. There were twenty one players who finished in the top thirty two of all three categories. I think that kind of gets to tell you a little bit more what it takes to be a WR1. Um, I also looked at yards per game for a while because I thought maybe, oh, what if there's a player that did really, really well, but they were injured and only played in so many games. What I found is if I threw in the extra caveat of yards per game, it didn't change anything. It didn't. It kept it kept the stuff the same. It was the same 21 players if I did the top 32 yards per game. So, um, and, and it happened when I went to the next one. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to waste my time doing it. Because then I said, well, let's maybe, maybe that's, the, that's good enough to be a WR1. What about to be the upper echelon of wide receivers? I decided to cut it in half and go top 16. Top 16. Here's what it would take. Yards, it would, this is based on 2021, 1,082 yards, 83 receptions, eight touchdowns. And that put it at exactly 16 players at eight touchdowns. So there, if you go into the top 16, that's what it would take. 1,082 yards, 83 receptions, eight touchdowns. You want to know how many players had that? That is where it gets really, really interesting. The number of players that had those statistics for 2021. I got to make sure I got my 2021 numbers here. There were six. There were six players that were in the top 16 of all three categories. To me, that's your up, your very top of the line wide receivers because they made it in the top 16 of all three categories. And here's who those players were. Cooper Cup. Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, and Deontay Johnson. That's right. Deontay Johnson finished in the top 16 of all three of those major categories. He is one of six players to do so. So I just thought I'd look at that to say, if you want to have a higher standard, there you go. To me, I then said, I'm going to find some numbers that's kind of in the middle, but more leaning towards the top 16 to say what I think it would be to put you in, in a true category of one of the, the better wide receivers in the NFL. And I set these arbitrary numbers, and, and I'll, I'll tell you how they work back with um, in 2021. I set yards at 1,000 receptions at 75, and touchdowns at seven. If you could get 1,000 yards receiving, and this was only wide receivers, I should tell you. I didn't include tight ends. 1,000 yards receiving, or sorry, didn't include running backs either. 1,000 yards receiving, 
75 receptions, seven touchdowns. If you had a thousand yards receiving in the NFL last year, you would have been in the top 23. If you would have had 75 receptions in the NFL last year, you would have been in the top 25. And if you would have had seven touchdowns in the NFL last year, you would have been in the top 17. There were nine players that hit those three stats last year. Nine. So it was the six that I mentioned before. And then the other three were Jamar Chase, Mike Williams, and Hunter Renfro. So the, that would make it nine players in that very top. So I'm kind of setting that standard of 1,000, 75 receptions, seven touchdowns. But then I'm like, wait a second. He was asking about tiers. He was asking about tiers of wide receivers. So I'm like, oh, well, let's do this tier style. We'll do top 32. That's tier one. From 32 to 64, that's tier two. And 64 to 96, that's tier three. Just on average, what would have been one receiver per each team? Let's see how these numbers play out. So I went ahead and did this. This is based on last year. If you, if so, my tier two. This is the, you know, 32 to 64. The yardage would be 519 to 847 because 848 obviously puts you in tier one. So it was the 519 up to 847. Receptions were 42 to 67 and touchdowns were four to five. And because four puts you at, at 58 out of the 64. You know, then it went into three, but three went for a long time. All right, so that's my tier two. Then my tier three, was 360 yards, up to 518, 28 receptions, up to 41, one less than the last year, and two touchdowns, up to three touchdowns. There you go. So that's where I go, tier one, tier two, tier three. You want to know what tier four is? Anything less than that. Anything less than the 360, less than the 28, less than two touchdowns. All right. Now, it doesn't mean that receivers are going to hit that in all of those categories. So to me, you take those three categories, you figure out what tier the receiver's in, and you put them in the appropriate tier based on the average. For example, let's look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's look at four wide receivers from the Pittsburgh Steelers and what they did in 2021 and where their numbers fit. Deontay Johnson, yards, he was in tier one. Receptions, he was in tier one. Touchdowns, tier one. That put him in tier one, okay? Chase Claypool, Yards, he was in tier one. Receptions, he was in tier two. And touchdowns, he was unfortunately in tier three. That's where he saw the drop-off from last year. He had almost the same receptions, almost the same yards, big drop-off in touchdowns. So, And these are only receiving touchdowns. Don't count any rushing or anything like that. So for Chase Claypool, on average, that would put him as a tier two receiver. James Washington, he was tier four in yards, tier four in receptions and tier three in touchdowns. So to me, that makes him a a tier four receiver because he's got more fours than a three. And then Ray Ray McLeod, he was tier four in yards, tier three in receptions, but tier four in touchdowns because he didn't have any. That to me had him as a tier four reception or receiver. So when you look at the Steelers with their wide receivers in 2021, they had, and based on my numbers that I came up with, that was, they had a tier one, a tier two, and two tier fours. That's what they had. And I think Juju Smith-Schuster could have been right there to be to be uh, one of those guys instead of Ray Ray McLeod, but he was injured. So that's just how it worked. So that's what I did. That's how I broke it down. I hope that makes sense. We're going to go ahead and take a break. And when I come back, we're going to do it again for 2020 see how those numbers compare and see if we can come up with kind of a standard for these tiers. So stick around. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. We are diving into this topic of wide receiver tiers. Uh, this is a lot of fun. What's crazy is after I looked at those numbers for 2021, I did 2020. Now, remember, one less game. One less game. Because there's only 16 games in 2021. There was 17. And this is all, of course, just regular season. But believe it or not, the numbers lined up almost exactly the same. I couldn't believe it. It was crazy. Because... I'll remind you as I go, when we looked at the top 32 for 2021, it was 848 yards, 67 receptions, six touchdowns. In 2020, it was 843 yards, only five yards less, 65 receptions, only two receptions less, and six touchdowns, same amount. And that put 31 players at six or more, um, because remember, it's tough to cut those off. When you looked at the number of players that that were in the top 32 of all three categories, there were 18 of them, 18 of them, as compared to 21 of them in 2021. Now, if, if you want to look at the, let's go ahead and look at the, at the super high level, in my opinion, of those players that were in the top 16. Um, it was a little bit less yardage. Instead of 1082, it was, or 1082, it was 1006. Of receptions was actually more in 2020 of 87, and the touchdowns were eight and exactly 16 just like in 2021. Hmm. And then I looked at, okay, let's, let's look at the tier two numbers, tier two numbers. The tier two numbers uh, for 2021 started at 519 yards. For, for 2020, they started at 560 yards. And instead of 42 receptions, they started at 45 receptions. And the touchdowns were the same, four to five touchdowns. Then the third tier, based on 2020 numbers, was instead of 360 yards, it was 373 yards. So, you know, more yards again, um, even with less games. Um, The receptions were the same, 28. If you hit the receptions of 28. And guess what? So were the touchdowns, two to three touchdowns. So I've kind of established when it comes to touchdowns, when it looks at at the top of the league, it was the same over the last two years. Now, I didn't go back beyond 2020 because every year, you know, they get more pass happy and things like that. So I just I just stopped it there. But but based on this, oh, I forgot to tell you, in the very top 16, there was five players that were in all three categories versus six in, in, in 2021. So just thought I'd put that out there. But then I looked at the Steelers. I looked at the Steelers to say, all right, how did they do based on how they do in 2020 based on the 2020 tiers? All right, here we go. Deontay Johnson was tier one in yards, tier one in receptions, tier two in touchdowns. So he he averaged to be tier one, but he did have a tier two in there. Chase Claypool, tier one in yards, tier two in receptions, tier one in touchdowns. That averaged out to be a tier one receiver, although he had a two in there. Juju Smith-Schuster was tier two in yards, but tier one in receptions and tier one in touchdowns. That averaged him out to be a tier one receiver. 
So in 2020, it looked like the Steelers had three tier one receivers, but it was interesting where they fell short. Juju Smith-Schuster was a little shy in yards. Chase Claypool was a little shy in receptions, and it was only by a couple. And Deontay Johnson was a little shy in touchdowns. I think it was just one. I think he was one touchdown shy. And then James Washington, he was a three in yards, three in receptions, and two in touchdowns because he had five touchdowns. Um, and so I deemed him to be a, a, a tier three receiver. So when the Steelers, when we thought that the Steelers wide receivers were a very solid core going into, let's see, ORPS, going into, uh, you know, based on 2020 going into 2021, the numbers backed it up. They were in the top 32 at, their top three receivers were in the top 32 of two of the three major categories, and they were in the second tier in the other one, all three of them. It was crazy how that worked out. I, what I did again is I looked at the arbitrary numbers that I came up with that I talked about in the first half of, okay, what about 1,000 yards, 75 receptions, and seven touchdowns? Okay? I looked at that again. That 1,000 yards would have been the top 16 in 2020 because, you know, it's harder to get yards with one less game. 75 receptions put them in the top 22. And touchdowns would have, was a player in the top 20. So it kind of averaged out to be about the same over the two years. So um, there was seven players that hit those numbers in all three categories. It was the five from before and then, and then from where it was the top 16 and then two more. Uh, Deontay Johnson was not one of those players, just to put it out there. Um, so last year was a better year for him when it came to those three statistics. But to me, those are the three stats that is going to determine, you know, what tier of wide receiver you are. And of course, catch percentage is great. Drop percentage is bad. Things, things of that nature. Um, because to talk about targets and catch percentage is kind of redundant. Um, and I just felt that these three stats really told more of the picture. But I tried to break them down into category. And here's what I'm going to do for you right now. Here's the final, the final answer. All right. I broke down. Between, kind of kind of semi-averaging the two years, I tried to get some nice round numbers and say, here's marks based on the last two years that if you want to look at what receivers do to put them in what tier as a receiver in the NFL. So here are these numbers. I want to come back to these and check the Steelers receivers um, and see how they fit with these numbers and see how the 2022 numbers end up looking and see if they're close to this as well by going top 32. So here we go. To be a top-tier receiver, number one receiver, you would need at least 845 yards, 66 receptions, and six touchdowns. Anything above that, that's a that's that's top-tier receiver. The next-tier receiver would be 540 yards up to 844, 44 receptions up to 65, and four or five touchdowns. And then my tier three receivers would be 365 yards receiving, up to 539, 28 to 43 receptions, and two to three touchdowns. There's my tiers. Tier four would be less than 365, less than 28, and less than two touchdowns. So zero or one touchdowns. That's my tiers for receivers based on the geeky stat geek numbers. There you go. End of story. I'm calling that an answer. I don't know if that's what you wanted there, Doc, um, but hopefully that worked. Now, luckily, I have another question to answer pretty quickly. It's not a bun it's not really a big stat question, but it was 
asked of me and it was about wide receivers. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to throw this in end of the show to help finish things up. This comes from Britsburg Owen, which is at Britsburg Owen. And he wants to know who is the Steelers or who in the Steelers wide receiver room makes the best potential slot receiver. All right. I can't break that down numerically because my goodness, the Steelers only have two guys coming back from last year. To me, it depends what they want to do out of the slot. I, I'm giving you a Dave answer. I really am. It depends on what you want. And what I ultimately think is I ultimately think that the Steelers want to be able to use any of their receivers in the slot. Mind-boggling right there. I know. That's crazy. That Wouldn't it be great if they could move any of any of their wide receivers into the slot based on what they want to do or the formation or or the personnel package and and really keep teams off guard, that would be great. So let me give you an argument for all their wide receivers as to why they would be in the slot. I'm going to start with George Pickens because, honestly, I don't have an argument for him. Don't know enough about him as, as an NFL player to say that he would go great there. So I'm not going to – he's one player that I'm not going to talk about putting in the slot yet because it's just – it's incomplete. But it's funny because I'm not going to do the same with Calvin Austin the third. Let's go ahead and go to Calvin Austin the third. Why would he make a great slot receiver? My goodness, the speed, the shiftiness, everything to, to try to make a move quickly off the line of scrimmage and see if he could be that slot receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I could see him being utilized there. Deontay Johnson, that guy creates so much separation in his routes. I could see him being utilized as a quick read out of the slot in that regard. They're like, oh, well, what about Chase Claypool? There's nothing there. Hey, I'm sorry. But if you want your slot receiver to get their get to, to kind of get their nose dirty, is what we used to call it, by getting in there and blocking, meaning meaning that you're sticking your face in there to block someone. To me, that's Chase Claypool. That's someone that that could do that role. Um, or even Pat Fermuth in that role, you know, lined up in the slot to then come back and block. Another person I'm going to put out there because it's something that was a report that came out. I can't remember who it might've been Mark Caballi. I can't remember. I shouldn't try to give any credit. I don't want to give it to the wrong person that they were talking about. Anthony Miller is trying to make a big push to be the Steelers slot receiver. I could see that as well. I really could. I could, I could see um, that saying, Hey, I'll find that role. I'll fill that role. That's what I'll do. I think there's potential for a number of Steelers that could do that role. But here's the problem when you say that, and it's the infamous phrase of a jack of all trades is a master of none. If you have almost everyone that you feel could fill a role in the slot, what that might tell you is that you don't really have anyone that's really a slot. That's what I'm not sure about with this Steelers team going forward. That's a good question, and that's not something I can really answer with stats, but I just gave you my opinion anyway. Hey, I hope you enjoyed my breakdown of these numbers. It was kind of fun coming up with this. I'm I'm putting a bookmark on my notes to, to check these because I want to look back at the end of the season. I was kind of proud of myself for being able to come up with that, and I never would have thought to do it. So thank you so much, Doc. I, that's why I want questions. Please send me an email at stlrsuperfandad at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at STLR Superfan Dad. I want questions. I want to, I never would have thought to look at that. Never would have thought because it's one of those things that kind of bothers me. But now I'm not nearly as bothered because I kind of came up with something analytical for it. So please hit me up with questions. Make sure you're checking out Behind the Steel Curtain podcast. Make sure you're going to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And as I always say to finish out, thanks for geeking out. With me.